Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Thank you for joining us for worship today. It's, uh, it's really good to see, to see all of you. I, well, I'll begin the sermon in a minute, but I think it's probably important for, uh, for me to give you a, a little bit of an update on, 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 on goings-on around here because it's been, it's been an interesting, interesting week. As you may know, we had a second occasion of graffiti on the, uh, on the side of the church. You know, we thought the first time that happened that that was just sort of a one-off situation, and then it happened again. Uh, so I'm going to... And I think it goes without saying that, that what was written was, was hateful and vile and certainly at odds with everything that we, we profess and what we do here at this place. That's why we quickly moved to have removal, a removal person come out and begin to try to remove it. You may notice that we're still kind of working on that. You know, that brick is porous, and when you paint it, it's tough to get all that out of there. So we're, we're still working on it. We're trustees and uh, thinking about a couple of different ways that we may completely mitigate, mitigate that, uh, that graffiti. We're working closely with uh, our friends in law enforcement. They've, they've been on site, uh, and we are uh, sharing all the information that we have with them so that they can pursue this matter as they will do. Um, we've engaged our security company, Dallas Security Systems, to check out all of our security items here. We have an alarm system on the church. You may know that. I don't know if you knew this, but we have cameras inside the church, and we are also asking, we're asking Dallas Security to to give us an estimate on external cameras so we can have a camera that observes all of the exterior walls of the property. We should get that estimate next, next week. We've received a lot of encouraging words from other congregations and from the community, and, and actually from many of you, uh, because when, you know, when something like this happens, you know, we, we kind of all pull together and we appreciate those sentiments. Uh, you know, the last thing I'll say about this before we move on is that the work of living and loving like Jesus, that work still goes on here. Despite this, we lean into that. Because what that means is a sharpened focus perhaps on racial reconciliation and confronting racial injustice wherever it may happen, both in its overt and more subtle forms. And you know, Living and loving like Jesus also includes praying for whoever did this. Because everyone is a child of God. And so, with those two things perhaps sort of tugging at us, we proceed. We move forward as God's church. You know, if any of you have questions about, about these goings-on, feel free to call me. Call Pastor Jana, call Pastor Jeff. We're all around today here. You can buttonhole us after the service, and we'll be happy to, to visit with you more about, about this or anything, uh, anything else that's on your mind. We thank you for your presence and for your prayers. All right. Now to the sermon. You thought that was it, eh? No, there's more, but wait, there's more. It's Labor Day weekend. Congratulations on being here. I keep telling you that. It's important. Traditional beginning of fall. 
School has started. Football is back at it, right? Did your team win? I hope your team won. And the Rangers are 26 and a half games out of first place. So it's fall. Um, and we've had a little bit of rain. Mercifully, yeah, amen. We're between sermon series. Pastor Jana talked about the sermon series that's upcoming, I Love My Church. We just concluded a sermon series on difficult conversations. And so this Sunday is sort of a swing Sunday. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a text today from Mark. And it's a little bit interesting and kind of controversial, all right? And it's got a little bit of everything in it. It's got faith, grace, healing, and it mentions dogs. Yeah. So as Carol reads the scripture for us today, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. My name is Carol Furchak, and I will bring, be bringing the scripture today from Mark 7, 24 to 30. From there, Jesus set out for the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house there where he didn't think he would be found, but he couldn't escape notice. He was barely inside when a woman who had a disturbed daughter heard where he was. She came and knelt at his feet, begging him to help. The woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. She asked him to cure her daughter. He said, stand in line and take your turn. The children get fed first. If there's anything left, the dogs will get it. And the mother said, of course, but don't dogs under the table get scraps that are dropped to them by the children. Jesus was very impressed. He said, you're right, on your way, and your daughter is no longer disturbed. The demonic affliction is gone. She went home and found her daughter relaxed on the bed, the torment gone forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Carol, for reading, uh, reading the scripture today. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, who is in our midst right now, open our hearts and our minds to the movement of the Spirit among us. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, as we've noted, it's almost Labor Day, and that, that means we're supposed to be through with summer, right? At least in the Northern Hemisphere, but Texas, I don't know, seems to linger. That summer seems to keep going and going. We've had a little bit of rain, as I mentioned, but I, don't the memories of those hot days still sort of linger? I, I know I remember. Boy, it was really hot. July, 27 days of 100 degrees. Seven days over 105 degrees. That's just not right. July was tied for the second most driest Second driest month since 1900, so 122 years. The average high temperature, 102. 0. 0.4. 0. 0.4 just pushed it right over the edge, didn't it? August wasn't a whole lot better. We had 11 days over 100. Average high temperature was, was, was a, oh, a, 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 a comfortable 96. 0. 0.4. No rain. We had 40, these four, we've had 47 days of 100 degrees so far. That's more than the last three years combined. And friends, I got news for you. Um, we get 100 degrees in September too. So buckle up. It's rough on the plants. It's rough on the animals. 
I've given up on my yard. I was going to get a picture of a tumbleweed to put up to show basically what's happening with that. You know, my mom, my mom would call these days the dog days. Is anybody, anybody familiar with that? Can I get a witness? The dog days of summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the dog days. According to the National Geographic, the dog days refer to the dog star, Sirius, in its position in the heavens. The dog days is, is an old, this is an old idea. Homer mentions the dog days in the Iliad. To the Greeks and the Romans, the dog days happened when that star, Sirius, appeared to rise just before the sun. And that's usually in late July in the northern hemisphere. They referred to these days as the hottest time of the year. And the Farmer's Almanac, yes, still printed, Farmer's Almanac, get it at your feed store, uh, calls the dog days the most oppressive period of the summer. Now, the dog days are of varying lengths. The Farmer's Almanac, again, uh, says the dog days are from July the 3rd through August 11th. And interestingly, the 1611 edition of the King James Bible includes the length of the dog days from, let me get this right, July the 6th through September the 5th. So if the King James Bible says it, there you go. I'm going with that. Regardless of how long they are, it's hot, and, it's, and the heat is unrelenting. According to the ancients, it's also a time when bad things happen. Things kind of come unwound. Greek and Roman astrology often connected the dog days with any number of calamities. Heat, drought, we've already talked about that. Sudden thunderstorms, lethargy, fever, mad dogs, bad luck. Conflict, chaos, catastrophe, dog days. Days when things are parched and lifeless. The world seems unsettled. Little chaos, little conflict. Hmm. Maybe with this recent rain and the breaths of fall, I heard a little, felt a little hint of it the other day. Maybe we're through the worst, huh? You know, today's text offers us a curious exchange between Jesus and a woman who can certainly be described as going through her own period of chaos and catastrophe and conflict. Her daughter is demon-possessed. She's beside herself with worry. She's in her own dog days. It's one of those texts, as I said, that proves kind of troublesome. Jesus has this remarkable exchange with her. He's gone to Tyre to get away for a little bit. Now, Tyre, if you remember way back when we were doing um, that survey of the Bible, you may remember in Solomon's time, Tyre is on the coast, and Tyre made a deal with uh, Solomon, and Israel ended up with a navy. Who knew that Israel ever had a navy? But then that deal went, then, then that relationship went south, and there has been animosity between this people of this region and the children of Israel forever, forever. So, and this is also Jezebel's home, home region. You remember Jezebel. Mm-hmm. So Jesus decides to go to Tyre. He's been engaged with 
the scribes and the Pharisees, and they've been arguing about, not arguing really, but the scribes and the Pharisees it's, uh, are, are getting on him about ritual cleanliness because the disciples do not uh, sometimes fail to wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus says, well, you know, it's not really what's on, side of you, on the outside of you that is defiling. It's what comes out of you that's defiling. Your evil intentions, what comes out of your mouth, is what's defiling. So right after this clash about clean and unclean, Jesus decides to go to pagan country to put a fine point on it. Now maybe he's going for a little bit of R&R because he's, you notice he's, he, he, um, he wants to go where, where, where he won't be found. He's been, there's been a lot of healing. If you read this account in Mark, you can see that he has been busy in the public phase of his ministry, a lot of healing. It may be that he went to engage the disciples in some private instruction, you know, to get out from doing the, uh, the work of ministry and then do some work with them. We don't really know. But regardless, he was seeking to get away from the crowds. So this Syrophoenician woman comes. She's clearly distressed. His daughter is possessed by a demon. She kneels before Jesus and she pleads with him for healing. And this is... This is pretty remarkable on, on many levels. First, she's a Gentile. This, the, in the message, they sort of uh, mash up the, the, a little bit of Mark and a little bit of Matthew, and they mention that she's Greek, and, and just so you get the point, she's Syrophoenician. Okay? All of that means she's a Gentile. So that's the first piece. The second piece is that she's entered what is likely a Jewish home and has spoken directly to the rabbi kneeling down on his feet, maybe even touching him. This was unheard of. An unaccompanied woman, who's a pagan, coming to a Jewish residence and questioning the rabbi. Now, if you could look at the Matthew section of this, the Matthew passage, it's, it's even more interesting because she not only just... This, Mark makes it sound like she just kind of comes in and presents herself and says, hey, could I have a word? In Matthew, she is so noisy and raises such a ruckus with her sort of persistent pleading that the, that the disciples say, Jesus, can we get her out of here? Sounds, sounds like chaos to me. She's aware of Jesus' status as a healer. She may not know much else about him, but she knows Jesus can heal. She can, he can bring peace to the situation. She's also probably desperate. You know, as a pagan, she's She's probably been to several, several shamans, faith healers, trying to get this thing worked out. Demon possession back in those days masked a lot of things. You know, it could be seizures, could be convulsions, maybe some sort of epilepsy or a nervous, a, a, a nerve condition. Perhaps there are even situations where she was, the, the daughter was lifeless, just laying there, not moving. Certainly, this was an all-consuming situation for her. So she comes to Jesus and asks for healing. And Jesus' initial response is very provocative, isn't it? Very troubling. Is Jesus giving her the brush off? Because he basically says, you know, you need to wait your turn. Your time is not here because I'm focused on the Jews. 
Your time will come. You just got to wait. And then he drops the D word, right? Compares her to a dog. The dogs don't get to eat from the table. I didn't see that coming. Did you? Very interesting. And if you, try, if you look at the commentary on this, they don't know what to do with it. They, it's, it's, kind of interesting. it's kind of fun when the experts are flummoxed. When they're like, ah, ah, you know. Was Jesus' tongue firmly in cheek? Did he deliver this news with a wink? Hey. There's some, some thought that, there was, that it, it was an ironic exchange. The Greek is not... Uh, the Greek word for dog here is translated as puppies. Kind of interesting. Although they tell me Aramaic doesn't have a word for puppies. So Jesus wasn't speaking Greek. He was speaking Aramaic. So this, was a, <laughs> this is an editorial comment by the compiler. So anyway, file that away. Was this just clever banter? It was pretty common for Jews to call Gentiles dogs. That was, a, that was common. She'd probably heard it from a Jew. He, Jesus, I mean, he said it then. He may have said it before. Was Jesus just responding with the filter off? He said, look, I, maybe, maybe it went like this. I came to Tyre to get some rest. There's a lot of suffering. There's so much need, and I need a break. My ministry is to the Jews right now. The Gentile dogs will just have to wait. Or maybe this was an object lesson for the disciples. You can see them all sort of gathered around, and they're like going, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So which fully human Christ are we going to go with here? I don't know. If you're, if you're hoping for that answer, you gotta, <laughs> you're going to have to get a smarter preacher than this one. But the fully human Christ is on display. Christ fully divine, fully human. Whatever Jesus' intent, the woman presses on for this earnest pleading woman, this situation is chaos. A demon's at war with her daughter's soul. Can you imagine the convulsing, the tiny body, you know, fevered almost to death? And she just straightforwardly says to Jesus, even the dogs are eventually fed. The problem I've got is right now. She knows that even a scrap will do. A little morsel that falls off the table is enough. And then the tired, weary, fully human, fully divine Christ overcomes the burden of his fatigue and he immediately acts. The demon is defeated and the little girl is healed and notice Jesus didn't go to do this. He just did it. He made it happen. Did Jesus change his mind? Was this a test of the Syrophoenician woman's faith or her persistence or her fortitude? And while we're thinking about that, think about those disciples. Can you see their jaws drop? It's like, real? whoa, they didn't see that coming either. You know, I don't know that it matters as that much. What matters is the healing. Let's focus on that for a minute. It's an act of feet of healing that meets an act of faith. Jesus introduced the healing power of his fully God self into this dismal situation. A bold, persistent, resourceful, pagan woman's faith 
bears fruit. The demon is overcome. Life is affirmed. A new timetable for the kingdom is established. Her daughter is well. And the Syrophoenician woman, what of her? She might still be a Gentile. But by the healing word of God, her dog days are over. So that's an interesting story, preacher. What's the good news? Well, as I've noted, this account appears twice in the Gospels, in Mark and also in Matthew, and so I would encourage you to take a look at it in both places. It's interesting when you have two accounts like that to compare and contrast. That's some good study work for you. But the fact that it's in there twice tells me that it's an important message. This is important. So what is that message? Well, let's notice a few things. The woman's persistence. Notice her persistence and her humility and her faith. Particularly in contrast to the religious authorities that Jesus had just spent time with. Unadorned by religious pretension, this unclean outsider, this Gentile woman just asked to be healed. Asked for her daughter to be healing, to be healed. Notice the grace extended. Jesus explicitly makes the point that it isn't time for the dogs to eat yet. So this woman really has no claim on Jesus' blessing. None. But grace crosses the boundary of attitude and timing and social convention and expectation. And then notice the healing that comes. This convulsing, chaotic condition vanishes. Christ acts, peace prevails. And a mother's anxiety is calmed. The good news today is that no matter the conflict, the chaos, the catastrophe that prevails in our own life situation, when we are experiencing those dog days of the soul, the peace of Christ is here for us, for you, and for me. When the demons come and the conflict rages, the peace of Christ is here. When recovery is delayed, illness and infirmity hang on and hang on. The peace of Christ is here. When things are tight, maybe we, money is tight and economics are uncertain, the peace of Christ is here. When we feel outside of God's embrace because of our sin, when we cannot forgive ourselves even, the peace of Christ is here. When current events make us anxious and afraid, the peace of Christ is here. When we've tried everything, pursuing every shaman out there, and we don't know, what to do, or where to turn, the peace of Christ is here. This ancient story of faith, of grace, of healing, faith faith that contrasts religiosity, grace that breaks down barriers of 
convention and expectation, healing like rain on a parched, lifeless landscape. That's our story today. Friends, this same Jesus is here today to quiet the demons and bring peace. This Jesus knows what you are going through, your conflict, your chaos, your catastrophe. This Jesus, who was fully human, he knows. He knows. Today, Jesus hears your persistent petition. He wants to bring healing and peace to whatever prevails in your life. He wants to relieve the drought in your soul with a shower of grace that renews and brings life again. The means of grace today is the bread and the cup. These common, everyday things that we believe take on Christ's very presence John Wesley called it the grand channel of grace. That's why Wesley and his brother Charles, they took communion I know, a couple of times a week at least and recommended that churches do it every week. It's because through holy communion we experience Christ. Jesus invites you today not to just pick up the crumbs, But on this Communion Sunday, He beckons you to join the banquet table. A table where all are welcome, where there are no outsiders, there are no others, where faith wins out over conflict, chaos, catastrophe, where grace is in abundance, where healing happens, where peace prevails, where the dog days are over. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we seek you, the bread of life, and the peace that only you can bring. Just a crumb, Lord. A crumb is enough. As we come to the table, fill us completely. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.